Hello, and welcome to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I am your host, Mr. Miller. This podcast will cover a number of topics that happened on this date in history. Please visit the podcast webpage at thishappentoday.buzzsprout.com. There you can download the notes page, which will help you organize the information, as well as develop your own ideas on how these events change the world around us. If you're interested in hearing more, please consider subscribing so you will not miss out on what happens tomorrow in history. Today is April 8th. In 1904, Long Acre Square in Manhattan, New York was renamed Times Square. According to untappedcities.com, Janos Martin writes that Times Square has become so synonymous with New York City that many visitors and residents alike don't stop to think about where the name came from. This origin story goes back 118 years to April 8th of 1904 when Mayor George McClellan named, renamed Longacre Square for the proud newspaper that had just been relocated to the block. The name Longacre Square dated back to the 1870s when the Uptown Carriage Hub was named after Longacre Square in London, where carriages similarly congregated. Longacre was at the heart of a neighborhood broadly known as the Tenderloin, or Satan's Circus. In 1901, the area from 37th to 47th Street, from 5th Avenue to 8th Avenue, was home to 132 brothels and at least as many saloons. On the less shady side of things, Oscar Hammerstein had built a multi-theater entertainment complex there called the Olympia. Sounds like a wild scene. Throughout the 19th century, newspapers had been housed quite comfortably on Park Row, also known, also called Newspaper Row, across from City Hall. During the 1890s, the main rivalry was between the New York World, run by Joseph Pulitzer, and Williams Randolph's Hearst's New York Journal, as discussed in the Murder of the Century book review. The World full of swagger, erected the first building taller than Trinity Church in New York City. In fact, the largest building in the world from 1890 to 1894. At the same time, the New York Herald made moves, setting up a spectacular building uptown at 34th Street, which persuaded the city to rename Herald Square. The New York Times, which had always been respectable, though not dominant, was acquired by Adolf Ouch in 1896. It was really starting to take off. Ouch needed a domain of his own. The New York Times purchased the Pabst Hotel, which is what it sounds like, between 42nd and 43rd straddling Broadway and 7th Avenue, and tore it down to build their fancy new office tower. Mayor George McClellan, perhaps best known for excitedly seizing and refusing to relinquish the reins during New York City's inaugural subway ride later in 1904, presided over the April 8th renaming ceremony. Woe be it for me to question Wikipedia, but it gets what happened next a little jumbled. The New York Times did not lobby the city to get a subway to come through Times Square. That already seemed to be in the works according to the original IRT plans. More likely, Oach's friendship with IRT President August Belmont, remember the subways were originally private companies, clued him in to the wisdom of moving there. In fact, the subway actually ran through the basement of the Times building, and the original presses were underneath the subway. In a humble brag cover story on April 9th, the Times explained the renaming, citing the confusion of a subway stop named 42nd Street, or Broadway, of course. The subway stop could have been named Longacre Square, which would have been just abundantly clear. Ultimately, it seemed that Oach got an assistant from Belmont, an assist from Belmont and McClellan. For all the hoopla surrounding the Times moving to the completed new building in 1905, their run at that spot was not long. They were there long enough to throw the first Times Square New Year's party that December, followed shortly by the first ball drop a few years later. 
1913, the Times moved to its current location around the way. Times Square became a glamorous tourist destination replete with fine hotels and top theater. The rest is history, and history for another time. In 1935, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt authorized almost $5 million to implement a work relief program on this day. Hoping to lift the country out of the crippling Great Depression, Congress allowed the president to use the funds at his discretion. The act was unprecedented and remains the largest system of public assistance, largest system of public assistance relief programs in the nation's history. One of the most notable federal agencies FDR created was the Emergency Relief Appropriation Act, was a Works Progress Administration, one of several New Deal programs FDR hoped would relieve the chronic and widespread unemployment citizens faced during the Depression. While FDR believed in the elementary principles of justice and fairness, he also expressed disdain for doing, doling out welfare to able workers. The WPA, the Public Works Administration, and other federal assistance programs created by the Act put Americans to work in return for temporary financial assistance. To prevent the Act from harming private enterprise, Roosevelt included a provision that prohibited federal programs from competing with independent businesses by placing wage and price controls on federally funded products and services. Workers with the WPA built highways, schools, hospitals, airports, and playgrounds. They even restored theaters such as the Dock Street Theater in Charleston, South Carolina, and built a ski lodge at Oregon's Mount Hood. The WPA also put actors, writers, and other creative artists, arts professionals back to work by sponsoring federally funded plays and art projects. For its part, the PWA funded the construction of New York's Triborough Bridge and the Lincoln Tunnel as well as the port at Brownsville, Texas. From 1935, FDR lobbied Congress annually to continue funding the ERA Act. In total, the Act allocated approximately $880 million in federal funds and created millions of jobs, although historians disagree about the long-term value of most of the WPA's projects. In 1940, the economy roared back to life with a surge in defense industry production, and in 1943, Congress suspended many of the programs under the ERA Act, including the WPA and the PWA. In 1974, Hank Aaron of the Atlanta Braves hits his 715th career home run, breaking Babe Ruth's legendary record of 714 homers. Henry Aaron finished the 1973 season with 713 career home runs, then waited all winter for his appointment with Destiny. In Aaron-like workman in Aaron-like, workmanlike fashion, the Braves slugger quickly ended the drama just four games into the 1974 campaign. On April 8th, 1974, Aaron's fourth inning home run off the Dodgers' L Downing gave him 715 for his career and sent him past Babe Ruth on baseball's all-time list. The homer came on the heels of an opening day blast against the Reds' Jack Billingham that left Aaron tied with Ruth. After sitting out the Braves' second game of the three-game set with the Reds on April 6th, he returned to the lineup on April 7th, went 0-3, setting the stage for the Braves' first home game of the year and following night against the Dodgers. Aaron drew a walk leading off the bottom of the second inning, leaving the sellout crowd of 53,775 at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium restless. Aaron quickly scored a, on a double by Dusty Baker, giving the Braves a 1-0 lead. The Dodgers, who would go on to win the National League pennant in 1974, took a 3-1 lead in the top of the third inning. A single by Downing scored the soon-to-be 1974 NL Most Valuable Player, Steve Garvey, who was battling seventh that night batting seventh that night with the Dodgers' first run. Downing and Davey Lopez later scored on a double by Jim Wynn to make it 3-1. to one. But in the bottom of the fourth, Darrell Evans reached on 
in error by Dodgers shortstop Bill Russell to lead off the frame. Aaron followed by hitting a 1-0 pitch from Downing over the left center field wall to tie the game and surpass Ruth. He's sitting on 7-14, said Braves broadcaster Milo Hamilton, right before one of his most famous swings in baseball history. Here's the pitch by Downing, swinging. There's a drive into left center field. That ball's going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. The Braves would add two more runs in the fourth to take a 5-3 lead that would turn into a 7-4 victory. Following Aaron's home run, Downing walked Dusty Baker and Davey Johnson, prompting Dodgers manager Watson Alston to call on relief pitcher Mike Marshall, one of his record 106 appearances that season. Downing was charged with the Dodgers' loss while Ron Reed picked up the win for the Braves with the help of a save from Buzz Capra. With the Braves leading 7-4, entering the 8th inning, Atlanta manager and future Hall of Famer Eddie Matthews removed Aaron from the game in favor of Roland Office. Aaron would hit 40 more home runs over the course of the rest of the 74 season in the 75-76 campaigns with the Milwaukee Brewers, leaving him with 755 for his career, Aaron's, Aaron's 2,297 RBI, and 6,856 total bases remain big league records. You have been listening to the This Happened Today in History podcast. I thank you for listening, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning about historical events from the past. Thank you to the following websites for their information regarding today's topics. ThePeopleHistory.com Longacre Square, renamed Times Square, from UntappedCities.com The USA Emergency Relief Appropriation Act, from History.com In 1974, Hank Aaron of the Atlanta Braves hit 715th career home run from BaseballHall.org the music used as the background track for this podcast is Americana, created by Kevin McLeod on Incompetech.com. If you enjoyed this information and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing, as this will keep the historical events in your feed in the morning for each day. I hope you have a great day.